Welcome to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Each weekday, Dr. Crisp will be discussing biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Tune in daily to start your day right and deepen your understanding of how to better walk the way and enjoy the journey. Here's your host, Dr. Tony Crisp. Welcome to On the Way. This is Tony Crisp, and this is the 365 Bible Reading Plan. Today is February 28th, and our scripture passage for today is Deuteronomy chapter 30. This is one of the most often quoted passages of scripture in our present day in the book of Deuteronomy. And so what I want to do is just go right through the text with you, and I will just give you a running commentary as we go along. Remember, Moses is coming to the end of his life. God has given him a wonderful life. Think about it. The seasons of Moses' life. In the first 40 years, he was in the palace and with his people. And in the palace and with his people, he understood what life was like on both sides of the fence. Both sides of the river, you could say. And so his life was one of privilege, one of responsibility, one of understanding the ways of Egyptians and something of the way of his people. God was preparing him for a great work. By the way, God is always preparing us for the next great work. He wants us to be faithful in what we're doing now, but always preparing whatever we're going through now is preparing us for the next stage in life in our growth and likeness of God himself. And so the second 80 years, as many of you will recall, was on the backside of the Midian Desert, and it was a lonely place. Yes, he was now with his new family, but he was away from home, away from those he loved, away from mom and dad, away from anyone that was familiar to him. It was a new life. If you have never gone through that in life, then I can tell you, it is a different kind of experience. Have you ever gone out on your own when no one else was around, maybe to the military, maybe off to college? I'm talking about not down the road, not just staying in a dorm 20 miles or 30 miles or 40 miles from home. I'm talking about across the country in various states away from anything that's familiar to you. If you've never experienced that, then I would just say to you, there is a part of something that is missing in your life. I'm not saying that it's good or bad. I'm just saying that is an experience that you have to go through yourself to understand. I've been there. I've done that. And God molded me through that. What at that time was the most challenging event that had ever taken place in my life. And so Moses is now at the end of his 120 years And he is about to pass on and be with the Lord. And God begins to set the stage. Now it came to pass when all these things come upon you. This is Moses saying to the people, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before you, and you call them to mind among the nations where the Lord, your God drives you and you return to the Lord, your God and obey his voice. According to all that I command you this day, 
you and your children with all your heart, with all your soul, that the Lord your God will bring you back from captivity and have compassion on you and gather you again from all the nations where the Lord your God has scattered you. Do you realize that he is talking in a future perfect tense, that is, a completed action? You see, God knew and knows human nature so well that he knows we are prone to wonder. Just like the old hymn says, prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. And God knows that. And God is compassionate with us. And he tells us that once, just like the children of Israel, we go astray. And surely we will. God, in his great compassion, will have mercy on us. And if we will listen to his voice and turn, God will forgive us. He will restore us. And he will do it every time. This is what the Apostle John said in 1 John 1, 9, that if we agree with God about our sin, if we confess our sins, if we say the same thing about our sins that God does, He is faithful. He is just. That is, He will do it every time, and He's just in doing it because of what Jesus has done for us. He will forgive us, not for our own acts of righteousness, but because Jesus was totally righteous, and He died to pay the penalty for our sins, rose again, and God said, This is my beloved Son, and I am well pleased with his sacrifice. And so because of that, God says, wherever you go, if you'll turn to me, how far away you are, if you'll turn to me, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter if you are free or in prison. It doesn't matter if you are in captivity or you are in the homeland. It doesn't matter if you're in the military or you are serving in a job somewhere. The moment you turn to God, God will forgive you. He'll cleanse you and he'll restore you. And it doesn't matter how far and how long it's taken you to walk away from God. And so the scripture says in verse 5, Then the Lord your God will bring you into the land which your fathers possessed. In other words, he'll bring you back in the way of your godly father. And he will prosper you and multiply you more than your fathers ever dreamed of, really is what God's saying. And the Lord your God will circumcise your heart. That means he will take away the part that's rotten. He will take away the part that's fleshly. He will take away the part that's stinking. He will take away the the part that causes infection and he will make you clean and this is what an uncircumcised heart is it is taking away the old so that the innermost part can be revealed this is what he's saying and the lord your god will circumcise your heart not the foreskin, but your heart and the heart of your descendants. God will not only affect your life, he'll affect those that you influence and come after you. And what is the purpose of all of this? For you to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, so that you may live. You see, there is life in Jesus. There is true life in him. Look what he says in verse 11. For this commandment, which I command you today, it's not too mysterious for you. You say, well, what is God saying? God's saying, repent. He said, it is not too mysterious for you. It's not far off. It's not in heaven. 
that you should say, Who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, Who will go over the sea and bring it to us, that we may hear it and do it? But the word is very near you and in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. God said, I have made this so plain, and you've made it difficult. Now, where have we heard this? It seems like that's a familiar passage. Well, it didn't begin in the New Testament, but that's where it ended up. God said in the book of Romans chapter 10, oh yeah, now you remember it. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God, this is Paul talking, for Israel is that they may be saved. He said, my desire is that my kinsmen according to the flesh, the Jewish people may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal toward God, but not according to knowledge. In other words, the Jewish people have wanted to serve God many Many of them have a great zeal to serve God, but they don't do it according to biblical knowledge. They think they do, but they don't. For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted to the righteousness of God. You see, God's righteousness is through faith, not through works, not through keeping the commandments. It is through keeping the faith and trusting in God. You see, the way that we are declared righteous is not by keeping the law and doing good works. No man will ever be justified by keeping the law. We've already messed up so many times. And the scripture says, the man that does the whole law keeps the whole law and offends in one he's guilty of all. Why? Because he's sinned. It's not how much we sin. It is the fact that we have sinned. It's not that we've fallen short less or more than others. It's that we've fallen short of the glory and the standard and the metric of God himself. And this is what Paul is talking about. And God has made this where it's not mysterious. It's not where you have to go to heaven and bring it down. It's already been brought down for us. It's not like we have to go across the sea. God has already brought it to us. For Christ, Messiah is the word. For Messiah, the anointed one, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. In other words, keeping the law was never the means of being right with God. Because no man can do it. You see, well, I've never committed adultery. Well, I've never lied. Well, that's a lie. You've lied to yourself. You've deceived yourself. And that's what lying is, is deceit. And if you think you've never lied, you have deceived yourself. You're a liar. You're lying to yourself. For Moses writes about the righteous, which is of the law, that the man who does those things shall live by them. That is, if you say, I'm going to live by the law, then you're going to die by the law. If you say, I'm going to be righteous by the law, then you're going to be condemned by the law. But the righteousness of trust, that is, of faith, speaks in this way. Do not say in your heart, who will ascend to heaven? Does that sound familiar? We just read it in Deuteronomy 30. That is, to bring Christ down from above. Messiah down from above, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word, what word? The word of righteousness, the word of salvation. The word is near you, it's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word of faith which we preach. And here it is. Here is how a man is saved. Here is how a man is made right with God. You say, well, this just seems so simple. Oh, it's not simple. It sounds simple. But to put your trust and faith in God with all of your heart, that is not a simple thing. God has to give you divine enablement to do that. It's not even within you to do it. He's says that if you confess, that is, say with your mouth and agree with God that Jesus is Lord, 
and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead. It's not just something you believe in your mind and then give intellectual assent, a census to, but you believe with all of your heart then you will be saved. Why? Because with the heart one believes, trust unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made to salvation. For what does the Scripture say? Whoever trusts, whoever believes on Him, will not be put to shame. That is, you're not going to be ashamed when you stand before God if you're putting your trust in Him. For there is no distinction. It doesn't matter if you're a Greek or if you're a Jew. For the same Lord is rich over all who call upon Him. For whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now, where did all that start in? Deuteronomy chapter 30. You see, you and I cannot love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and strength without His help. So this commandment which I commanded you today is not too mysterious for you, verse 11, nor is it too far off. Nor is it in heaven that you would say, who will ascend into heaven for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. Nor is it beyond the sea that you should say, who will go over the sea for us and bring it to us that we may hear it and do it. But the word is very near you in your mouth and in your heart that you may do it. Now you need to write beside of that Romans 10 that we just read. He said, see, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil, and that I command you today to love the Lord your God, to walk in his ways and to keep his commandments. This is not rocket science, folks. The number one purpose of man is to bring glory to God, bring honor to him. Our number one responsibility is not win another soul to Christ, as important as that is. Our number one responsibility is to love God with the totality of our being, our heart, our soul, our mind, our strength. And God said, don't be drawn away by other things. Don't get sidetracked. Don't get too many irons in the fire. Keep it simple. Love God. Love others. God says, I have loved you. Turn around and share the same kind of love I've given to you to others. Express it to others. Because God has given us his love and our love for him as a treasure that we don't keep and hide from others. We don't conceal it from others. It's not mysterious. We have to have the love love of God shed abroad in our hearts. So we turn around and we share it with others. Verse 19 says, Moses, before he died, before he ended all this up, he said, I call heaven and earth to witness today against you that I have set before you life and death, blessing and cursing. Therefore, choose life that you and your descendants may live. And this is the verse that is used for the pro-life movement. That's wonderful. But this is not just talking about the unborn. This is talking about those of us who are alive. It's talking about those of us who are already born. It's talking about those who have lived many days on the earth outside the womb. We live in the womb, yes. Is that critical? Yes. Is it in that womb that we should be the safest on earth? Of course. And we've made it just the opposite. That's where you are unsafe today. And so the scripture says, I have set before you life and death. Choose life. Yes. But look what he says in verse 20. Why, Why do we stop there? 
Pro-life is not just life that we honor in the womb. It's life we honor outside the womb. Now, I am absolutely pro-life in every aspect of the word. And we need to stand for life. And we need to stand against the death of the innocents. But what we also need to do is realize this is not just talking about life in the womb. It's talking about primarily life outside the womb. It's talking about you and I making the right kind of decisions and walking with God and obeying his voice and clinging to him. And why would we do that according to verse 20? Now, this is the kicker. Listen to me. Hear me. For he is your life and the length of your days. He is your life. What have I said over and over again to those I've preached to day in, day out, week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out? Jesus is our life. He's not a part of our life. God doesn't want to be a part of your life. He doesn't want to be a part of my life. He wants to be my life. He wants to consume me. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, all that God has done for us, I beseech you, therefore, that you present your bodies a whole burnt offering, totally consumed on the altars of God, that the fires of God would absolutely engulf our lives and take over our minds, our heart, our soul, our spirit, our body, and that we would be consumed with the life of God, that God himself would be our life. Then, and only then, will we walk in a way that's pleasing to him, As we walk on the way, this is Tony Crisp. Thanks for listening to On the Way with Tony Crisp. Tune in every weekday for information on biblical passages, people, places, and prophecies. Fridays are for your questions. Email your questions to questions at TonyCrisp.org. Then just listen for your question to be answered on Friday's podcast. That's questions at TonyCrisp.org. Thanks for listening and have a blessed day on the way.